a Shishkin Productions podcast. Welcome to the fifth transmission of the All Ships podcast. I'm your host, Dave Krugman, and today I'm speaking with Jerem Cohen, who is one of my best friends as well as a phenomenal storyteller, using cutting-edge mediums to share his view of the world with a very large audience across many different social platforms. We meander through all sorts of topics in this conversation, from art to community to philosophies on life, and I'm thrilled to bring you into our world of creative connection. Let's dive in. This episode is supported by Smells Like. Smells Like is a Brooklyn-based candle studio created to bring you nostalgia through a variety of custom curated fragrances. Their signature collection includes one of my favorites, Teen Spirit. With notes of orange blossom, tuberose, and musk, this candle takes you back to the vibe of the 90s. They're offering our listeners 20% off with the code ALLSHIPS, so check them out at smellslikebk.com and get your candle today. All right, I'm here with one of my best friends in the world, Jerem Cohen. Hello. Jerem, how would you like how would you describe what you do in this world of creativity? I love how we're just jumping into it. Yeah. Um hi Dave, how's it going? It's going well. Cool. Uh, the question is what have I How would you describe in your own terms like what you do? Cuz you're not just a photographer. You're yeah. you're a storyteller on a deeper level and I I just would love to hear how you think of that. Yeah, I mean if I would describe it into one word, I'd say I'm a storyteller and I just use my camera as a tool to tell the stories usually or mostly in my my background has been photography so for most of my life as an artist it's been as a photographer but lately i've been exploring more video so i think it doesn't really matter what the medium is as long as i'm telling stories that i want to tell uh that's what i love to do yeah and it's interesting being a storyteller connected to technology because technology changes exponentially and so even in your own career, I've known you like what, almost a decade now. Yeah. Um, which is crazy to think about. Rain Rise NYC. Yeah, Rain Rise NYC, exactly. Look it up, guys. Hashtag Rain Rise NYC. Um, but I've even seen your storytelling abilities evolve with new technologies. And you've really mastered um like short term short term video. <laughs> Thank in you. A, I don't know what I can't speak yeah, today. Like microvids. Microvids. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting way to put that's it. That's how too. I describe it. Nice. It's yeah. Like, you know. 15 seconds is my sweet spot for telling a story in a video. Yeah. And you so. do it really well. And it's like catches on and then kind of like a lot of your videos catch a lot of fire. Thanks. Yeah. And it's cool to see you kind of adapt. You, you're you somebody that is like very fluid and able to adapt to, to these new platforms and new technologies. And you've had a lot of success with that. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like it's easy to get mad at whatever new updates are because like you get so used to something and, you know, really hone in on what this format is like for example when instagram was only square and they came out with the news that all of a sudden it was you could do four by five and wide angle too it's like it's so easy to just like hate on that because like instagram that's what it's meant for it's meant for square i remember being a little mad at that at first yeah and then i'm just like you know what you just gotta like whenever they come out with these new updates whether it's a whole change of the medium or whether it's just a change of the crop whatever it is just like embrace it because that's what it is there's yeah. nothing really you can do to fight it and just look at it as a creative challenge and that's kind of what i do with any of these like updates whenever there's a new feature like you know instagram just releases reels even though it's the same as tiktok it's right. like i want to jump on that and try to make the best reels straight away do you ever feel pressured to change your work to fit the medium or do you just kind of like ride the waves for let me give an example 
when Instagram came out with the vertical crop, pretty much every photographer started only shooting like vertical portrait mode because there was a kind of algorithmic reward to taking up more of the screen. That's well, there's an algorithmic reward, I think, with any new update. Whenever an yeah. app, especially Instagram, updates to, you know, whether it's vertical, whether it's reels, whether it's whatever it is, um, there's all they want to push that because mm-hmm. that's like their new thing. So, right. um, so they incentivize their users to kind of adapt. Totally. And that's with like most apps, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I just look at it as I definitely feel pressure when I see other people, you know, this new feature comes out and other people start using it right away. For example, I think the most recent example is Twitter came out with their new crop. It's like not yeah. cropped photos anymore, yeah, which is pretty incredible. Cool. Yeah. And shout out to Twitter support. Whoever is like doing those <laughs> updates, they finally listen to the users. And like, yeah. And the I, only bad part about it is some of the memes won't be as funny, like open for surprise. Yeah, yeah, they won't true. have that anymore. But um, I think that's incredible. Anyways, like I didn't, I didn't see that trend until like a couple hours after, and then I was like, "Am I too late to this?" It, it moved so quickly, and then I, and then I just like didn't really. You mean, but, you, yeah, you might be like too late to ride like the first wave of it. The first wave, but, but it does change the platform oh, forever. Absolutely, you gotta, yeah. And I think it's more important to look at it in the long term, yeah. in, in general. You know what's funny is I really always looked at Instagram as like kind of like owning the creative community. Like it was like the the hub for like everybody to, creative to connect. It's how we met, you know. And I'll I'm eternally grateful to the platform for all these friendships I've developed over the years. But then it's interesting to see like the platform wars. Like I feel like this year, I don't know if it was like the pandemic or like frustrations with Instagram's algorithm or frustrations with Facebook and the election and all this stuff. But like it does feel that Twitter gained a lot of ground for the creative community this year. And maybe that's just my perspective because I've had a lot of fun on Twitter this year. But this latest move of them making it a more friendly space for visual creatives by not cropping video and not cropping um, vertical photos and, and you know, not just photos, but like paintings and anything visual now takes up more of the screen. And it's like an interesting blow in the war between uh, Instagram and, and Twitter. Yeah, I'm curious why they did that. I wonder if it's because Twitter has gone has a lot of more visual artists using it lately, especially with the NFT world, like a lot of users being very active on Twitter, a whole Twitter community. I thought I saw a lot of like visual artists that are into the NFT world. They don't, they, they use Twitter more than Instagram. Yeah. I feel like NFTs don't really translate on this. There's not like a big community on Instagram for NFTs. It's like Twitter clubhouse and obviously whatever NFT platform. I think that has a lot to do with the space that NFT occupies, which is an overlap between cryptocurrencies and visual art. So in order for there to be a thriving NFT community, you need um, people that are collectors and like basically cryptocurrency Twitter, they call it like, you know, crypto Twitter CT is like where all the people who are kind of funding this art market are. And, you know, those people are on Twitter because Twitter is more of an information hub. And Instagram is a much more of like a visual kind of um, more of like a visual magazine to me than like news based stuff. Even of course, Instagram has a lot of news based stuff, but people go to Twitter for their news and yeah. for their trading information and their communities exist there. So it's almost like the artists came to an, a new market as opposed to turning their successful Instagrams into that marketplace. Yeah. So I think Twitter realized this and that was the incentive for them to all of a sudden decide to like yeah. not crop, you know, yeah. Cause, Cause I'm sure it was a, a big 
point of contention like yeah. in the company like yeah. should we do this because it'll change the experience so much yeah it's but really fascinating what's how would it it's just the photo just the videos and photos take up more real estate on the yeah timeline. they take up more real estate it changes user behavior like um it even that small change you think yeah wow i mean any small change at scale is huge so like it's it's they're affecting you know let's say right. it changes things 0.01 percent yeah like times their amount of user base it changes things a yeah, lot that's fair and same with instagram going through all those changes too but you know enough about platforms i'd rather i'd rather hear a bit more about you germ because you are one of the most you're like a beacon of light in the creative community and in our like own like in real life communities as well like you are you are a relentless optimist. You are like, you bring a lot of joy to our friend group. You bring a lot of joy to our, the wider community and you bring a lot of joy to the people that, you know, have, are lucky enough to have found you online. Cause you have this huge community, these huge communities distributed across all these different platforms. And you really lead with like smiles and joy and like uplifting stories. And uh, I'm thinking of all your different projects. Um, uh, notably one that I'm obsessed with and have been for so long, which is today I photographed, which I'd love to talk about as well. But what is the genesis of that attitude that you bring to everything you do? First of all, thank you for that really uh, kind compliment that was super in depth that that made me I'm currently blushing. Um, he is, folks. I can see yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> um, second of all, to answer your question, which uh, what is the genesis of all that coming together? Um, I guess a lot of it is just like who I am as a person. I think my art reflects who I am as a person and who I am as a person is because of how it's raised. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that credit is to my mom, how she's an actual storyteller, uh, mostly in Jewish folktale is her background. Interactive Jewish folktale stories is what she does. Amazing. As well as uh, she motivationally speaks about uh, cancer. Like wow. uh, she's, a, she's a cancer survivor. Yeah. So, I, we've talked about this. My mom is as well. Yeah. yeah. Which is a crazy thing. Mm -hmm. um, if, if anyone knows anyone who's been through that. Been yeah. Through, yeah, yeah. It's uh, fuck cancer. Yeah. Um, agree. Can I curse on this? Yeah, you podcast? can curse. Okay, cool. I well, encourage it. Fuck cancer. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that's where I learned subconscious. Like growing up, I was embarrassed about my mom like telling stories to like doing all the Jewish stories in a place where I grew up when no one was Jewish. So right. Yeah. I don't know. And she was so passionate about it and get so into it and I would get so embarrassed. <laughs> and then look at me today. I, what I love to do is I love to tell stories. Yeah. So I, and I, I'm so inspired by her and I get it directly from her and I tell different types of stories. Right. Uh, similar, but different. Yeah. And uh, we just have different mediums. Um, I'm not a writer. She's a writer more right. so. Um, I'm a visual storyteller. Yeah. So, um, I, I would like to take this opportunity also to like sh shout out to your mom because she's like such an incredible supporter of all of us creatives as well. She's like every like every time I put up something that I'm really proud of, like your mom's always there in the comments, like supporting yeah. me. Oh, like, that's cool. When we're my together, mom, my mom and my grandma, or I feel like my grandma is more supportive. Oh yeah, maybe and, it's both. Wait, okay, I I think you're talking about your grandma because it's confusing because they both have very similar Instagram handles. Well, shout out there. My Instagram. grandma is my my mom's Eva Grazel and my grandma is just E Grazel. See, maybe I conflated and, all and the wait. support that I get from your family. <laughs> this is so funny though, because my grandma literally texted me this morning and she said, okay, so on a more somber note, well, kind of, there, 
there was a shooting yesterday in Times Square. Yeah. And uh, three, no one died. Three people got shot and they're all going to be okay, apparently. Um, but I didn't find out until this morning when my grandma texted me. She's like, Jeremy, there is a shooting in Times Square. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I just that's that's terrible. But I'm glad it looks like everyone survived. So that's cool. And she's like, yeah, I, I just hope Krugman is okay. That's what she texted me. <laughs> Because she knows you love taking photos in Times Square. Yeah, I love it when it rains in Times Square. And so I'm always there. So she she told me the news and she asked me about you. She was concerned about you. Well, to... to, My grandma. To Germ's grandma, I'm doing just fine. I'm here with your grandson. We're having a great time. Um, But that's great, man. It's like, I'm glad to hear that you trace back your attitude to your kind of like... You have like a lineage of that attitude in your family. And I think that's really great. And I'm somebody who like... I would not be the person I am without the influences of my family, like full stop. Just I, everything I do and all my attitudes come from being passed down certain values and and like certain ways of interacting with the world and, and kind of being a person and like having empathy and trying to be curious. That all comes from people that have taught me. And, and I see that in you too. And I'm glad you're, you're carrying on that legacy through your life and, into your next generations. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm not. Ca- I am carrying on that legacy, but I'm not carrying on the legacy that is all the most of my dad and my both my grandpas and they they're all. Do- I don't know if you know this. They're all doctors. Oh, so that was kind of. It wasn't. I mean, there was never any pressure, but it was like I feel like it was low key expected that I would go into the medical field. Interesting, but that was totally out of my wheelhouse. It's not even. I can't even fathom you, studying. Yeah, this. you I mean, seem you know to me, me. Imagine me going to med school. It's not happening. You seem to it's me like, to be the person that would like heal with the power of laughter. Yeah, that feels <laughs> that feels about really right. Yeah, um, you know, I I think the joke at first was because my my dad was a radiologist. So oh, like, interesting. You know. I would, he would look at, wait, what was it? He would look at positives because x-rays are positives and I would photograph negatives, negatives or something. Wow. I think x-rays yeah. are po- technically positives. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. So photographs are negatives when I was shooting film. Not really anymore. Wow. That's There's- interesting. I wonder what determines like what, if you fall, if two parents do very different things, I wonder what determines which way their children go. Yeah. Because uh, my yeah. sister, my sister and I are obviously raised by the same parents, but my sister is like very, she she's actually intensely creative and and very talented. But the path she took is much more like organizational and like you know leading companies and and doing really high level work in more traditional settings. And I'm very much like a tornado of like. <laughs> putting puzzle pieces together and trying to be a network yeah. and a hub for people to connect. I mean, I think it's just who we're influenced by in general. A lot of times people are influenced by one parent or another parent or their or, peers yeah, or peers or celebrities or like any, anyone. I mean, influence is huge. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would love to hear like a little bit about your beginnings specifically in photography. Yeah. So like how did, how did that happen? Um, how did you kind of come across photography as a medium in general? Yeah. So speaking of influence, I was influenced by my friend's dad. Um, we went, okay. So I first got into photography when I was, I went on a family vacation. It was me and my family and my friend Andrew and his family who I met at sleep summer, uh, Jewish sleepaway camp. 
Jewish summer sleepaway camp. Um, and we went to Yellowstone National Park. And um, my dad brought his little point and shoot camera and his dad brought his DSLR camera with the zoom lens. And an arms race. Yeah, it was an arm race race but like yeah his camera is really cool i actually got into it mostly because my dad's camera though right and which was the which was just this little canon point and shoot i think was it the canon digital elf yeah something like that i had it, that camera probably had it, it, it had this feature on it where it could do color select so like you could choose like out of like six colors which color you want to select and like we were in the you know we we're in yellowstone national park so we'd choose green and it would be all black and white image and then just green oh, besides cool. the black and white and at that time i thought that was the coolest shit ever i mean it was the I coolest th- shit ever yeah, at that yeah, time. Yeah. so i thought that was such a sick feature i couldn't believe it and like my sister started taking photos with that camera my dad's camera and i thought they were so cool and i got a little jealous because we're my sister and I are super close in age, so we're just naturally competitive. And I just saw that she was taking really cool pictures and I wanted to take better pictures. So I <laughs> I just uh, borrowed the camera and started taking pictures and, you know, they were fine. And I just kept thinking about photography. And then for my 16th birthday, um, I asked my parents if I could have a camera and they bought me a digital camera. What was their first so camera? It was a Canon 40D. Nice. Yeah. With I, like I, a kit lens. Huh. Yeah. Amazing. Did you ever do film photography or is it all straight to digital? Um, it was, so I, yeah, I started with digital and then I quickly got into film because at my high school, I, there was a, there was a film photography class. So I, I learned how to shoot and develop film and everything and fell in love with film photography, but also did mostly digital outside of class. Yep. Same. I never took it too seriously, but it was something I really enjoyed. And then when I was applying to colleges, I applied to a bunch of colleges. I think I applied to nine colleges. I got accepted to three. I got denied by three. And then I don't think I heard back from three. Um, and one of the colleges, just for fun, I just like applied to an art school. And like I got, that was, it was the only school I visited. And I got like a really good feeling once I visited it, came to New York City mm. and just checked it out. And I didn't really take it too seriously at first. But once I visited, I just got a really good feeling. And then I was like, I think this is where I should go. And it was SVA, right? And it was SVA. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. New York kind of calls to people in a way. Yeah, I never, I feel like when I went to school there, a lot of kids that freshman year, I still remember a lot of kids were like dreaming of coming to New York for years. Like mm. they wanted to like go to school in New York, wasn't sure what school or anything. They just knew they needed to be in New York. It's a magical city, this and that. And I just never thought of it that way as a kid. I just, I don't know. I just never really understood what it meant, what New York really meant. Why right. would you want to live in New York? I just heard of how like expensive it is and this and that. I was like, mm. I, I just like liked the school when I went there, I think. Right. I went to visit. And it turned out it was, I just needed to be in New York. Yeah. That's, that's the city for me. Yeah, I, got I feel re- that. I got really lucky. Yeah. I don't know if it was like an innate feeling that I just like, I just knew I had, I, I don't know what happened, but I can't imagine myself anywhere else. And I'm super grateful. Like, I think a, a lot of people, um, they struggle with, you know, what direction they want to go in life. Right. And which I totally did too. And I just got really lucky that I felt, I feel like I picked the right decision from an early age. So incredible. Um, I'm obviously still figuring things out Yeah. to this day, but like, 
Um, I think if I didn't move to New York when I was 18, I think I would have eventually moved here, but it would have taken a lot longer. So let's dig into this a little bit. Yeah. Cause I also feel the same way about New York. Yeah. You, you know, I was somebody that visited New York a lot as a kid cause my aunts and uncles lived here. And that was what hooked me. It was like, I was like longboarding through central park and just being like, whoa, like this is so cool. Like I just, it's like, I'm a, I love people watching and I called New York like a random people generator. I was like. Every day I see a thousand faces I'll never see again. And I loved that because it was like every person I saw represented like an opportunity to learn more about the world or like just experience new things and, and see different angles of humanity. And so that's why I love it here. And, and I was kind of always attracted to it. But you came and, and kind of discovered for yourself that this was a place that like had a gravitational pull on you in some way. So, you know, you came here when you were probably like what a little over 10 years ago yeah 18 years old yeah so in those 10 years what is it about this city that that draws you in so much like what is special about new york to you uh i'm trying to think of not to answer in a cliche way but it's kind of cliche but uh the city just has a certain energy to it it's just i love the whole mindset it's not for everyone but i love the work hard play hard mindset you know i feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people here you're here for a reason. You're a go-getter. You know, you, you like are working hard and you probably have a passion. You're passionate about something, whether it's you're working your side hustle and then working on your passion, the side hustle, or you're just like going all in on your passion and just like people are just really passionate here and just interesting and like move in from all different places of the world. There's like compared to where I grew up, I love when I, where I grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, but also like you know, it's like not that diverse there. It's like a lot of, you know, a lot of families, people have their whole families are from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Right. It's not like anyone really moves from it. Like here in New York, you just meet someone anywhere. They're from any part of the world. Yeah. And they're almost always interesting. Right. And also I love a, something I really love about New York that separates itself from so many other cities is how bike accessible it is. Like, I love biking. Well, just not a, yes, biking, but also just like e-transportation. I love like my electric bike. I love my electric skateboard. Anyways, it's like there's so much to do in the city and you could all get to anywhere by bike. I could. It's dense I could, too. It's like you, you can like, there's so much going on in such a small radius. And if you have a bike or a vehicle of that sort, it's like very easy. You don't to need get. a car though. I'm yeah. very anti-car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not very anti-car. I just. I'm anti-car, not very, but yeah. anti-car. And um, yeah, I I could bike to the beach in a little bit over an hour or I could bike to the city in like 30 minutes and just go from point A to point B and just like, you know, not get stuck in traffic. I can control my own destiny. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to be late because I, I will... You know, I was a little, I was a little <laughs> late coming to this podcast because <laughs> we didn't have it. to tell them. Yeah, that. yeah. I we mean, I, look, I said that. that. And I'm like, I'm not going to be late, and I was like, damn, I was like he, late to come to this. He podcast can't see. Today. He's such a good guy. He can't. He can't <sighs> even tell a, a small little lie. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh, though. So this also kind of reminds me of um, you've probably met and had conversations with more strangers than most people I know. Because you did a project, you started a project many years ago now uh, called Today I Photographed. And to the listener, you can check out Today I Photographed on Instagram and you like see the archive of all these posts. But Germ committed to kind of, you know, once a day approaching somebody that he's never met before, just on the street, somebody that looks interesting. 
taking a beautiful portrait of them and kind of telling a bit of their story. And then it evolved into like video, like little video clips of them. And so a couple questions about that and we can just riff on it. Why did you start that project? What does it mean to you? Um, have any lasting friendships come from those meetings? And I guess the last question would be, um, how does that affect your understanding of New York as a city and why you're here? Yeah. Okay. So those are a lot of questions. I'm just going to talk about it. Okay, just talk about it. Uh, so yeah, today I photographed is my baby. It's my project. The way it was born is that it was at a time in my photography career in my in my well it was at a time as an artist where i wanted to really hone in on one category of photography specifically because like i think a lot of photographers don't get work because they feel like they can do it all which is like how every how i felt at a certain point and like how every photographer i so many photographers feel that way I mean, I love shooting a lot of different things, but if you want to get work, you really need to like specialize into one specific, you know, area. And I wasn't sure which area I kind of wanted to really dive into. And then I, and then at one point I realized it was portraiture. That's what I love to do the most. And that's what I feel like I'm best at. I love to tell stories through portraits. And when I was coming, I wanted to do a personal project around portraiture and I wasn't really sure where to take it. And then you know, I wanted to take portraits here and there, but I would see someone interesting and then I'd always going up to someone on the street and asking to take their portrait. It's very intimidating. It's very daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it terrifies I, me. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, and I would always give myself excuses not to take these portraits, even though the opportunity was there. I saw something interesting and I just wouldn't take the photo because I like to go up to the people and talk to them and then yeah. take their portrait as opposed to just snapping a portrait. Um, so that's when I came up with the idea to take one portrait of someone every day mm-hmm. and do it for a year, at least. And you did. Yeah. So right when I got that idea, that day I took my first portrait for wow. the project. And like, do you remember who that was? Yeah. So that day it was my friend, Mike. Okay. It was like, I think I got the idea in a bowling alley. And I, well, I, so it started, I like, it I started like, with a friend and then, yeah, you so like I was, well, a couple of friends, out. I was talking to them, I was like telling them about this project idea and they're like, why don't you just start it now? And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I can't, I think it was at the bowling alley. If it wasn't at the bowling alley, it was like a little bit before, but like the fo- the first photo was at the bowling alley right. of my friend, Mike. And it was just on my little point and shoot camera. And so I started the project right then and there. And then I did it for, I took a photo, a portrait of a stranger well, it was usually strangers. Sometimes it was friends when I was, some days I was feeling a little lazier. Yeah. <laughs> and like I didn't go out and meet a stranger, but I photographed a friend. Right. And, uh, but I, I didn't cheat. Like every single day I took a photo of someone. Wow. And told a story about them. And yeah, I did that for 613 days in a row, I think, until I got a little burnt out. Yeah. I mean, that's a <laughs> long was, time. That's, it was a lot of work. And not, and I still do it now. I just don't do it every single day. Right. So, and, it's funny because like I never I was talking about this with someone uh, recently, which I never. Yeah. Which I thought. Which is interesting to think about because this was never my plan, but that's this personal project with which I did just for myself because um, I love to do it. It's actually gotten me most of my client work because a lot of compared to like my main page because a lot of people see my passion project which is this today i photographed passion uh, project and they could see like 
I, I think it comes through in the photos and the stories, yeah, how much I care about it and how, how much I really believe everyone has a story to tell. And people see that because of that, they want to, they want that for, they want me to imitate something like that for, you know. Right. Cause, cause like everything that we do, especially like, you know, peripheral to advertising is about storytelling. Yeah. And so they can see that you're so effective with it that they're like, oh, this is the guy. So, um, what stories out of those 600 and I, I guess it's more because you've done yeah. it. Are there any stories that if I just put you on the spot right now, like stand out as something that was either powerful or, or like changed your perspective or, yeah. or you made a new connection? Yeah. I mean, I think there, there are definitely some deeper ones where we talk about life and death and like, you know, just like intense moments in life. Like it's. It's one, of the, one of the things about the project is like it's kind of crazy how these strangers that I'll meet, like they'll open up to a complete stranger in me. Yeah, I was just gonna when say I a, when I have a camera in front of them, and um, yeah, it's 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 it's, a, it's a lot of it's very surreal how I don't know these people, and they'll open up their some of their deepest secrets, which they might not even open up with their closest friends, and right. family, it's but they'll incredible. open up with me, who's like someone they don't know. It just um, shows how much people want to connect and share too yeah and like i feel like sometimes there's this weird i call it like a proximity problem in new york that we're surrounded by so many people at so many times and like there's so like that we almost insulate ourselves from society where you, you know you'll walk past somebody who's asking for money like you know 50 times a day in new york sometimes because there's so it's just that's an extreme example but you know, we kind of close ourselves off because there's a sea of humanity. And, and if we say hi to everybody or we smile or make eye contact with everybody, we'd be exhausted just walking down the street. And I feel like what you've done is you created a, a situation in which you like puncture that, um, that kind of wall that people put up. And once you get through and they can see you're friendly and have good intentions, then it's like this flood of, of, Oh, like actually I do want to talk about these things and I do want to talk about the deeper issues. And just be, the fact that it happens so quickly just goes to show, you know, everyone has stories just like right at the surface that they're, that everyone they has tell. a story to tell. And I, I also like to think a, a lot of times, I mean, a lot of people don't ever get asked to have their portrait taken. And mm -hmm. I think it's a special thing. It's a, it's a special experience. And I always make sure to get their info and send them the photos and I like to think once I send them the photos or tag them in the photo or whatever, it could be an exciting conversation to go back and tell their family at dinner or like whatever. Yeah. yeah like and I'm sure it, they do. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I like to think they do a lot of times cause I like to think that I capture them pretty well in a unique way that they maybe never have been photographed at all before like this or, in, or like on the street. Cause I like, I don't like to really photograph models. I mean, sometimes, you know, this person who I find interesting might happen to be a model, right? but I like to photograph everyday people right? who that's what I find interesting. That's fascinating. So. Well, it's a great project and, and it's, I bet a lot of those people have their today. I photographed pictures like their profile pictures too. And like, so you're helping them represent themselves throughout the, the internet and the yeah. world and like such an important thing now as we move into these digital spaces so yeah. so frequently that their first impression online now is like a moment that you shared with yeah. them that's kind of cool man that, that's cool to think about um you're also a you very unique person in so many ways but one thing that i find unique about you is you know a year ago we were all kind of i guess it was a little more than a year now but 
uh, just to tie this to the historical record and timeline, like we're just kind of just starting to emerge from a year of isolation and this pandemic. Yeah. I'm feeling from, double, double vaxxed. I'm all vaxxed. Yeah, me right too. Now. I'm double vaxxed. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the summer. Uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful. I see a light at the end of the tunnel here, Yeah, but we all just went through this really crazy experience of being completely having our lives completely shut down and disrupted and, and kind of put in stasis, this weird stasis. But you're one of the the rare people that like was able to very quickly pivot to new exciting ideas. And you have found a lot of success in these times where a lot of creatives had a really like difficult year of getting work. And you're somebody that I look to um, and admire for your ability to adapt. And do you want to just talk a bit about how you were able to adapt to the situation, how you changed your thinking about what stories to tell and how you were able to use this situation as not just a terrible kind of like total breakdown of your career, but actually you were able to use the situation to create even more um, momentum for your platform and for your ability to tell stories. Yeah, so I think being, you know, being quarantined, New York being the epicenter of the world at one point, not really being able to leave our apartment at all, we're not supposed to. Um, I looked at that naturally as just like an opportunity to kind of start change the direction of art I was making. Like it was I'm I'm a very social outgoing person, right? Um as, as you know, mm-hmm. like, so I spend a lot of time just like hanging out with friends, drinking, partying a little bit, you know, <laughs> but like, which is amazing and it inspires some of my art, but also that takes up a lot of time when I want to, uh, focus on my art. Um, and this really allowed me to just like go all in on like any ideas that I've had that I just like haven't gotten around to. I had right. no excuses now. Right. I can just like do them. I, I couldn't leave my apartment. So right. Um, yeah, that was like a good pushing point. And then it was, once I like did one idea, it was kind of like a snowball effect. And I felt like I got gained more confidence in my art and like wanted to create more and more. Mm -hmm. And like, was just like in a really inspired moment. I just was inspired and wanted to create. Yeah. And I just started putting stuff out there and it was really exciting. So, yeah. So specifically you put something out yeah called quarantine cutie yeah so the quarantine cutie series happened because i'm trying to remember how exactly happened but okay so at the beginning of quarantine i think my friend who you know as well sam morrison aka sam the cobra we were talking about you know creative ideas to do because okay so earlier in the year january 2020 I, every year I like to have a new year's resolution of something new to do. Mm-hmm. And January, 2020, my new thing was TikTok. So I started a TikTok. I believe it was in January, might've been February, but it was the beginning of the year. And I started making TikToks and I was getting on a little bit of a roll. I, st- I was studying it, kind of seeing what worked on there after, you know, not doing it for a while because, Oh, it's just another app. And right what's the difference of TikTok in it? I don't want to put any effort in it, but it's the same thing as we were talking about at the beginning of, of our podcast here is like 
you know, if something comes out that's new that people are really into and, you know, it's free to sign up, why not? Just like try it out. And that's what I did. And I'm really grateful I did because I started to tell stories in a different format that felt more compelling where I would use videos, photos, and voiceovers right, and combine it to tell a story differently than I would on Instagram, which would just be just photography. Right. Anyways, started doing that and then quarantine happens. And then I was like on a roll with making some TikToks and I was talking with Sam and we were talking about something like, oh, there's a toilet paper shortage at the moment. And, you know, we were, he was like, uh, you should fly toilet paper to someone and deliver it to them and make a TikTok <laughs> out of it. And then, um, and I was like, oh, that's really funny. I should probably do that. And then um, I think and we were talking about other stuff too. I forget if he told, yeah, it's, it's so long ago now that anyways, I saw this girl across the street and okay. I was sorry. I'm like trying to remember this all as I'm doing it. It's good. Keep, so keep I started doing this photo project where I was documenting people on their roofs because this was a time when no one was supposed to leave their apartments and New York city all of a sudden started to get really nice out after a really long winter. Mm -hmm. People wanted the fresh air and the sunshine, but you weren't supposed to leave. But in Bushwick, as you know, a lot of people have rooftop access. Right. So I saw, I noticed just out my window, a lot of people going to their roofs and just doing all these activities that they would have normally done if it wasn't for COVID or the quarantine, um, the lockdown, which so people were going on their roof and they were dancing they were playing guitar, they were singing, they were doing yoga, they were working out, like doing all these things. And I thought it was fascinating. And that's when I started a photo project and I started documenting all these people on their roofs doing all these different What's things. The Did you have a name for that project? Uh, I switched the name a couple of times, but I have a couple of the series sets on my Instagram and on my website. Uh, yeah, I forget what I call it. Yeah, but. no worries. But that one of those photos made the cover of New York Mag, right? Yes, yeah, so that's another crazy thing that happened over. Let's not get too diverted. Let's finish the the story. But yeah, that's so, so that story got picked up, and that was really exciting. That that was an amazing. So anyway, moment. I was shooting that story. That's why right. I was looking out my window all the time, and that's when I saw the girl across my across the street dancing on her rooftop, and I was just attracted to her energy, and you know, like I don't know, I haven't talked. I'm a very outgoing. I, I like flirting. Yeah, I like flirting. You're a flirt, Jeremy. I'm a flirt. You can say it. Say I, it in the air. I love, I love cuties. There's so many attractive people, especially in New York. Yeah. And I'm used to just like going out and just, you know, I, I like flirting. Yeah. And um, I haven't flirted in a while. This girl was dancing across the street. I, I wanted to talk to her. And, you know, even when I'm like out and about and go up to someone and like to flirt, I'm usually creative about it is my yeah. style. My style is more of like a creative approach as opposed to like whatever other approaches there are. <laughs> um, and uh, so my so the idea was uh, to tape my number. I, I wrote my number on a piece of paper. I taped it on my drone. I flew it across the street <laughs> and she got my number. She texted me and I like recorded the thing because like at the moment I was like, hmm, I'll make, should I maybe make, I'll make it a TikTok. Maybe I'll make it a TikTok. And like, I wasn't sure. And then I made it into a TikTok. Like I had, I had some foot, I had the footage and I put together and I was like, wait, this is actually kind of cool. And then I showed it to her because I had her number at that point. Yeah. I was like, hey, by the way, I made a TikTok. And she liked it and she, uh, she was cool with me posting it. I posted it. 
not thinking it would go viral. Yeah. And then it went viral. It went very viral. It went very viral. And yeah, I texted her again. I'm like, hey, do you see this is like, what's up? This yeah. is like going viral. This is hilarious. People like this. And she's like, whoa, yeah. Uh, my mom saw it on the news. I don't know. So, yeah. And yeah, it got picked up on all these different news stations. Then, Weren't you on Good Morning America or something? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to make you go through it all, yeah. but but it got a lot of press. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was like kind of, um, it's what you do best, which is you told a really uplifting, creative story at a time where people needed some hope and some like, some levity in this time of like deep anxiety. And you were able to provide that to the world. And, and then, you know, that you were able to turn that into further opportunities and to tell more stories and ended up having this like really kind of profoundly successful year. And it was just such a joy to witness and watch. Did you feel any, um, like was it hard at all to like get a lot of attention during a time when everything is kind of sideways? Did you have any like internal conflict going on? Absolutely. Like yeah. I mean, I definitely felt guilty of a lot of it because I, f I was, you know, I was finding some success in this time where a lot of people were struggling. I mean, everyone was struggling. I was, you know, everyone's struggling. And then all of a sudden I I found success out of it yeah. doing this whole series. But it, it helps me not feel guilty in the way that you just described it. I like to think that a lot of people, it gave a lot of people joy and made some people feel hopeful. It definitely did, in this man. time. So like, yeah, it's uh, it was definitely a little conflicting though. Yeah. Um, well, it's a crazy experience that we've all just been through. Yeah. Speaking of, got to make the best of it, you know, got to make the most of it. And that's, what do you take? Yeah. That's, that's something I, I think I naturally like to do. I yeah. just like whatever the situation is, no matter how like good or bad it is, yeah. just make the most of it. Yeah. And you do that very well. Um, and yeah, we have been through a lot. It's really weird. I feel like some people don't even, and some people, including myself, like, I don't know if we realize yet like what effect this past year has had on us. And I think it'll take a lot of time to kind of tease out what changes were made in us and what we take away from it. I'm curious, what do you think you're going to take away from the experience of the last year of like having, you know, the entire world basically disrupted? Like, what do you hope to take away from this experience and what have you kind of learned? Yeah. Well, okay. Let me answer that question with two things. Cause I feel like, Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm playing with that thing a lot. Okay. I'm playing with the mic a lot and because I'm a little nervous talking <laughs> about all this stuff. Anyways, uh, so I think one thing as an artist that I'm taking away from this whole experience is that I learned that how powerful a story is and it doesn't matter how pretty you make the actual picture or video. What's most important is telling the story. So even though we have this background of taking, you know, I have, I've experienced lighting photos in a studio and taking photos on like a very expensive camera and that's great and that's cool. But like, I think what's more important to me is like telling the story. So mm, that's, it, that's a beautiful message. Yeah, actually. It, it could just be on an iPhone or it could, or it could be on whatever, whatever the medium is that you're telling it in. It's just a matter of what best gets that story across. Right. Um, and the thing I learned as a person is also kind of cliche but i think this is just like it's just important to think of, i mean just brush off the small things all these small things i think we've all been through this common denominator of this pandemic and how 
terrible it is in all the ways and it just like brought out like you know it's just be nice to people. Yeah. I don't know. Camaraderie like, and like yeah. we're all in this together. And it's kind of like the definition of my, this podcast is all ships. Like it's like we exist as a global community now because of the internet and yeah. we need to be there for each other. And it actually benefits us all if we can help each other out. Like we, if we all contribute to, to helping each other, like if you just take the focus off yourself for a minute, then it actually will benefit you even more than if you focus on yourself. Yeah. It's all about win-win situations. Yes. Just put yourself in win-win situations and there will always be a return of a win. Yeah. So that's, that's great. Yeah. That's great advice. Win-win. Triple win. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about real quick. Um, you're somebody who, uh, I think we share this that we're very community focused people. Yeah. I'm, you know me, I'm like deeply invested in, and like one of my favorite things in the world is when I can introduce two people and then, um, their lives change because of like some connection that I could trace back to me. What's an example. I want to hear an example. Uh, An example is, uh, Sam the Cobra. Oh wow. Cause I hosted a meetup, a meetup and he met his fiance. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. That's, that's very true. Yeah. uh shifra so that's a that feels pretty that good. one feels really good but yeah. it's like i didn't have anything to do with that i just right. they were in the same room but yeah the but fact you kind of did you kind of well, the fact that i can trace that back to like yeah i can like pretend to take credit for it is yeah. very satisfying and my mom loves doing this stuff too she'll always like she like loves connecting people and seeing how that changes people's lives and yeah. it's really interesting to me and there's a lot of other examples but i've definitely that's so why I love I love having parties and hosting things and hosting dinners and mixing my friend groups together. Like even in high school, I was very much like I lived on the border of two towns that were big football rivals. Yeah. And I was like the only bridge between the social circles of those two towns. And I would have parties where like the, you know, the kids from this school and the kids from the other school would all yeah. come together. And like it was the only mixing between our two towns. Yeah. And like it did change things in and ways that I really some enjoy. Some of those people dated each other. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's high school, so it doesn't really, doesn't really matter as much. High school sweethearts. <laughs> True. That's <laughs> it's possible. But you do that too. And like, you're such a, you know, I've met so many friends through you and you've had so many, you're in, you're, you've got a hand in so many different, uh, scenarios across New York. Like I, I love like, whenever I see you and like New York Nico together, like I know you guys are like doing all these cool, like just you guys are like moving through the city with a sense of curiosity and like connecting different people and like the guys from side talk and all these other interesting people that you've had on your podcast. So like what, what is it to you about community that is important and how does it affect your life and your art? And how do you think about this idea of, of um, the fact that we're all kind of in this thing together? Yeah, I mean, community is... I feel like I answer every question with yeah. So that's just what I've been doing. So sorry, everyone. (laughs) Stick with it, bro. Stick with it, yeah. Uh, Community is super important. It is what has... I mean, I credit a lot of my art to finding my community of other artists because Mm. if I didn't have other artists around me making stuff, I wouldn't be inspired or pushed to like make my own stuff. And I see people around me making really cool stuff and it's like a really healthy, friendly competition to want to also make stuff and keep up. And, um, yeah, also like I could share photos or captions or whatever with my friends within this community Mm -hmm. and they, we all kind of just like and vice versa and we all kind of help each other with 
you know, that as well as strategies with putting stuff, putting projects out there and et cetera. And, um, and working together on things too. Like you were the model for when I did Manfrotto Oh work. yeah. Yeah. That stuff too. I Just mean, helping I'm, each always, other. I'm always yeah. collaborating with friends, whether I need help or they need help. It's like, it's great. Yeah, it's um, fun. Yeah, on the way here, I was walking over here, and my friend just asked me, he messaged me and asked me if I could, like, you know, a quick, like, if, if I could do him a quick favor by modeling him for him for this, like, brand um, sometime this week for, like, you know. It's just, like, all these small things like that, and I know it's, like... We're all interconnected in this, like, beautiful web of creativity. Yeah, and it's inspiring. Um, I'm trying to think if I didn't have... If I lived in a place without this creative community I'm around, it would be a lot more difficult to do what I do. Yeah. So probably agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. My experience. So my pandemic project was obviously all ships and it started at Lucy Rouge, Lucy Rouge. So your pandemic projects or your, your PP. (laughs) We made it all this far without a dad joke. And now here we are. Sorry. I just, I just, it was inevitable. It had to happen. Um, but the, the, genesis of all ships like this idea of like we're all stronger together and like to start a brand around this concept of let's just like mutual help for everyone um started out of these piano parties at lucy rouge which you were at and brought tons of your friends who met tons of my friends and yeah r.i.p to that bar but and isaac was playing piano and and i should actually it's funny i have a bunch of audio from that i should probably put some i remember you setting up this mic this this exact mic yeah, yeah on the piano yeah yeah. And so I have tons of that recorded. I'm really grateful I recorded it because yeah. it's like the, the ambiance of that. But the point is, is that we had this great kind of gathering of creatives once a week and we got to like meet new people. And if people were in town, we'd always bring them in and be like, this is our New York. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the perfect spot for it too. Yeah. Most, I think, I feel like the thing that was most important about it that gets overlooked is that that place had no cell phone service. Yeah. It's so, actually so key because was nobody perfect. was on their phones except kinda. to record stuff to post later dude it was perfect it was awesome like, man. And no cell phone service is a good look at the place we're like gonna that. we're gonna find the next place and, yeah. and isaac's ready and we're gonna do it again as soon as we're able but oh. the point being is that i started to see all these like great relationships coming out of it and different you know creative connections and even jobs because like some of my clients would come and it was really interesting and i was like when the pandemic hit and we couldn't do that stuff anymore i was like i'm gonna take this all online and try to do it online and so i started i i actually like didn't shoot a lot of pictures this past year because I, I made a decision once lockdown started. I was like, I'm going to do a full year of only focusing on other people just to see like how it would change my perspective. And yeah. so I ended up just interviewing like tons and tons of artists and blah, blah, blah. But it made me realize how interconnected we all are and how we influence each other and, and the power of, of the internet to make that a global thing and not just in a bar in Brooklyn. Right. And so I'm really excited to take our communities, yours and mine and everything, the overlaps of the Venn diagrams that we all have and like emerge from this year. I, I, I joke online. I tweeted this, but I was like, it was like, I know we've all been in our cocoons for a year, but I can't wait to be butterflies with y'all. And I really can't wait to be butterflies. butterflies. Um, and so, you know, that idea of community and, and all everyone helping together to make the world a better place that you embody is something that is kind of in the DNA of what we're trying to do here at all ships too. So I thank you for your perspectives, John. Absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to draw, draw attention to, to plug? Yeah. Maybe I would tell actually, people. I, I would actually, I, I, I would like to draw attention to the fact that I just noticed you're wearing two different socks. One socks and Nike, <laughs> one socks and Nike socks. 
I told you earlier, Jeremy, I'm a tornado. <laughs> I, I somehow, love it. I, I like wearing I different socks. I somehow make it work. But um, this is just sheer disorganization and putting on two socks I found in my drawer. I heard a wise quote once. I actually wrote it down. I'm going to I'm looking in my notes right now because I, I heard this from someone and I wrote it down and it was one of the wisest thing I ever heard. And this directly what relates we to what I'm talking about right now. I'm okay. just I'm just going to my notes and I'm looking up socks because I know I wrote it in my notes. OK, here's life advice. Life is too short to wear matching socks. The time you spend looking for the other sock, you can be doing other things. So just wear mismatched socks. That's amazing. I love that. That's your, that's your wisdom, the most profound thing. And it, it, you know what it is? It's, it is that kind of folk wisdom that I'm sure your mom would be very proud of you for, for sharing with the world. Yeah. But, um, more literally, where can people find you okay. online and, and what, what are you working on and what can we draw attention to? Yeah, so you can find me online at Instagram at Jerm Cohen, on TikTok at Jeremy Cohen, on Twitter at Jerm underscore Cohen. I know I got different handles and yeah, everything. I'm sorry. Like me. I'm mismatched. I, I'm just everyone. hard to get. What can I say? Yeah. And uh, what am I working on right now? Uh, no bit. I mean, I'm constantly working on Today I Photographed. It's my passion project. And then I've just kind of been doing like micro videos here and there for personal work. Nice. My most recent one is I did the spring flowers one. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. I just want to make more videos like that. So people uh, can find you on socials. Yeah. And you can find me on social. You can probably find me on the streets cause I'm just always yeah, out always about out taking there. photos or you could find me. What are other places you could find me? JeremyCohen.com. Do you have yeah, that? Germcohen.com. Germcohen.com. Yeah, germcohen.com. Okay. It's like my portfolio and everything. And you're you've written a few articles for all ships. You can I find have. Them. I've written two now. Yeah. So check out my articles. I'm not a great writer, but I try my best. I loved your articles. Thank you. They were very <laughs> awesome. He did a one article was um dining outdoor dining in snowstorms, mm, which yeah. is amazing because this this winter was such an odd experience. I was really proud of that. That was one of my favorite projects. Yeah, it was really it was really good and it got Thanks. a lot of love. Um Speaking of a lot of love, I have a lot of love for you and I'm really proud of you for everything you've done, especially through this, this difficult year. Yeah. And I'm excited to be a butterfly with you this summer. <laughs> it's going to be really awesome. And I think we're going to do some amazing things as a creative community and let's keep doing what we can to uplift other people and making our communities strong enough to bear the weight of everybody. And I think that's a good place to leave it, my man. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. And wait, speaking of butterflies, what are you doing right after this podcast? Do you want to get matching butterfly tattoos <laughs> on our lower backs? Because I am down. Oh, uh, of course you are. I think let's discuss this off the air. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> because I don't want to I don't want to put any commitments to the record, but okay. you know, I'll at least hear hear you out and I'll let you make your case. Okay. Sting like and, a uh, bee. now it's time for Sting us like to have a butterfly. Sting like a <laughs> Float like a butterfly, like a sting, butterfly like a sting like a bee. Muhammad Ali. And we'll leave it. A that. great quote. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. What a lovely person that Germ Cohen is. He truly is somebody who brings light into this world, and I'm so honored to call him a friend and collaborator. Thanks to the masterful musician Ali Channon for our theme music. You can connect with him and stream his music via AliChannon.com. See all things all ships at allships.co. I'm Dave Krugman, and until next time, keep your creativity flowing. A Shishkin Productions podcast.